Welcome to the Shine Bright Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Castell. My hope is that this podcast will be a place to encourage women to shine their lights brightly and authentically by unapologetically being who God called us to be. You can expect to hear me talk about things like Jesus, how ghetto adulting is, finances, dating, therapy, and honestly, everything in between. My prayer is that each episode you will walk away feeling encouraged, inspired, and seen. Let's get into today's episode. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Shine Bright Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Christel. If you are new around here, I just wanted to welcome you and just thank you so much for being here and wanting to listen to this episode. Uh, I'm doing a little bit of a mini series on discontentment. Well, that, I guess maybe that's like the underlying reason why I'm doing it. For any single that is feeling discontentment in their singleness or like, all right, God, I'm ready for a relationship. Are you still out here answering those prayers or not? <laughs> Last week, I interviewed uh, my best friend, Nicole, and she talked about her transition from singleness to now being in a relationship and kind of how God answered some of her prayers uh, through that. And this week, I'm talking to another one of my friends who is amazing Um, I invited my friend Ty to chat with us about being married, but she also shares her heart about her singleness journey and times where she battled with discontentment in that season and maybe feeling like it was never going to happen for her. And not only is Ty a wife, but she's literally the big sister I've always prayed for. Her birthday was this past Sunday, and in her post, I said she's the friend who will listen to me whine about something, whether that's singleness or frustration at work, whatever, and she will empathize with me and then put me back to Christ with the quickness. (laughs) And I think we all need a friend like that. So not only is Ty a wife, a super dope friend, but she's also a social worker and just a beautiful soul all around. And so this week, wanted to have Ty um, to talk about her experiences being married, but also I think sometimes with married people, as a single, sometimes you don't want to talk to them because you feel like they just don't remember your struggle or they just want to throw these cliches at you that are like, oh, just you know, be content. And there's so many things that you can do. And Ty has always been a friend that I feel like even when she was, you know, in relationship, when she was just dating her now husband, and now to her being married a little over a year, I feel like I can always go to her. And even when I'm in my seasons of discontentment or frustration, she always understands. And so I just thought that that was, she provides a really important perspective where I feel like she hasn't forgotten what it's like to be single and desiring a relationship. So that is why Ty is here this week. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Ty. Thank you. It's good to be here. You're welcome. Okay, so let's jump right in. So I gave the introduction already, but I want to talk about, and we've talked about this a lot just in our personal lives, but maybe if you can talk to us about what your single season was like and if you ever wrestled with feeling forgotten or discontent in your desire to want to be married, but maybe feeling like it wasn't happening when you wanted it to? Um, yeah, so I definitely felt forgotten a lot um, during my time as a single. It was a very vulnerable time for me. Um, I felt left out like, well, Lord, am I doing something wrong? Because it was, it really was happening for a lot of people around me. Um, same age group, same friend circle, same career path, same family structure, same beliefs, like you name it, everything was so similar. Um, 
So it made me start looking at myself like, oh my goodness, is there something wrong with me? And that sent me down a rabbit hole as well during that time. Cause like, well, if this person, if it happened for this person, maybe I need to be more like this, or maybe mm. I need to look more like that, or maybe I need to speak more like that. And I was just kind of like, but is just being me ever going to be enough? Mm. <laughs> so it was a really, it was a really rough, um, pretty much my whole college experience. And even though it's something I don't like to admit, that's just the reality of the time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, what that was like for me so it was it was pretty challenging how did you crying a lot (laughs) I was just crying this weekend (laughs) how did you so that's honest and I I appreciate that honesty and I think that that's not something that we talk about enough especially not in the Christian circle people are just like you know be content write in your prayer journal and it's like okay yeah all of those things are great but when I am struggling with looking at it happening for everybody else and, you know, you talk about like questioning, like, okay, do I need to be more like this person? If she's quiet and meek, do I need to be quiet and meek? Or if, you know, she's wearing red lipstick all the time, do I need to be wearing red lipstick? So for you, was marriage ever an idol for you? And if so, how did you kind of actively learn to surrender that? Um, It was, it had become one. Um, for a number of years, actually, even times where I didn't want it. I don't think you ever want an idol to be in your heart. I think that's the first thing. I don't Mm -hmm. think people wake up in the morning and they say like, okay, I'm going to think about this thing nonstop, or I'm going to want it more than I want anything. Um, It's just a desire that kind of starts to overtake you maybe. And then that's how you know, okay, this is a problem versus something that you desire but if it doesn't happen you're kind of like okay it's not the end of the world but if you're not at that part that's how you know like it may be a little bit more rooted and it may require a little bit more examination and that's okay um I think there was a time where I felt like oh my gosh this is an idol like this is going to like cast me out this is the worst thing and it's just like no the fact that you can recognize it means that the Holy Spirit is still working and that you haven't been given over to whatever it is. So first it was admitting it, right? Mm. And then it was having some really, really hard and raw conversations with um, girlfriends that I trusted that could really tell me that they could see it too. Mm. Um, And that was a, that was hard. It was hard to stomach because- So wait, they told you that they could see your discontentment in singleness or that marriage was an idol? Um, one friend told me, um, that she could tell that, um, that I was discontent and that there was an aspect of that, that men might be able to pick up as desperation. Mm. Um, even though he, she, the way she explained it to me was desperation doesn't always look like a, a a panting and a pining after something. Sometimes it's as simple as, just being too available, you know, Mm. or something like that. So um, it was hard. Like nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to feel like they're too available or that um, there's something about them that's not exclusive. But I think when you're desiring that companionship that you're seeing seemingly everyone else have, it's just kind of like, I don't care what I have to do to be visible. Just tell me what I have to do within reason. And I'm more open to that. And she was very strong 
telling me like no that's not the way that's not the way you want to do that Mm. what so what what do you feel like I don't know if the question is what do you feel like the way is or like what advice would you give for anyone in their singleness that's desiring marriage and they are feeling forgotten they're feeling like maybe God's taking too long it's happening for you know everyone around them and while they're you know, happy for the people that it's happening for around them. They're still like, okay, God, like, are you still out here giving out husbands or, or not? Like what's going on? Um, something, it was a conversation I had with my dad actually that will forever ring true. And I was telling him everything that we're talking about right now is just like, God, like I thought I was going to be at least engaged by now. What's going on? Like, this is like throwing everything off and I just want this to happen. What's wrong? And yada, yada, yada. I went on and on. And he just very calmly reminded me of another passage. I cannot place the address for it, but I will get it to you. And he says, you know, where your treasure lies, there your heart will be also. Mm. And at first I just looked at him like, I just told you that I want to get married and you're (laughs) giving me a scripture. (laughs) What are you doing? And he just repeated it again. Like where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it was just a reminder that at the end of the day, you know, God, God does not promise us marriage. He doesn't promise us marriage. He doesn't promise us good jobs. He doesn't um, promise us security. And he promises to care for us, right? He promises to meet our needs and he promises to, you know, hear us and answer our prayers. But some of the things that are very specific, things that we want, those are things that maybe have not been, you know, ironed out as like definite. Yes, this is definitely going to happen for you. Same thing as being sick. There's not a definite prayer that you can pray that you will be healed. Doesn't pray, it doesn't mean that he's going to heal everyone of every disease or every sickness, but that he will hear you whenever you do pray. Mm-hmm. And so my dad reminded me of that. And it was just something that I had to constantly be honest about. So the church that I was formerly a member of, they would do pastoral visitations. And so this is something that I would talk about in my one-on-one session um, with my pastor. It's like, hey, what's, is there something going on with you right now? What's challenging? It will come up. If my friends are asking, what's going on? How are you feeling? It was, it was just don't hide it mm. so that whatever darker feelings or emotions or sadness I was having wouldn't take over Mm. so it was just actively telling people how I was feeling and not being afraid of what their response would be because you get nervous like yeah I was just about to say like how do you because it's hard to think about saying that without sounding bitter or without sounding envious or any of those other feelings that that can be misconstrued as like it's annoying. like you don't want to sound annoying either like oh annoying. my gosh I I told this person that I felt like this last week and the week before that and I'm pretty sure I told them yesterday are they tired of hearing this but what I learned is your friends your true friends who are there to do life with you and pray with you it may strike them as something that maybe it does seem a little overbearing to them but that's why they're your friend to bear through those things with you it may not be that it may be somebody you can flash forward and it may be somebody who's suffering through joblessness. Well, if they've been without a job for two years, 
what's going to be the thing that you guys are always praying about? You need to be praying that this person finds employment. Mm. Or are you going to be annoyed that we're praying about this person getting a job again? No, you, that's not how you, that should not be the posture of your heart. And if it is, then like, that's a bigger, like, that's a bigger thing. Like, Lord, why am I not able to empathize and, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice and, and weep with those who weep? Why is it that I feel well, we prayed about that yesterday. So, okay, I'm going to move no, on. This is, yep. This is where they're at right now. So you've got to meet them. And some of that is my social work coming out. <laughs> you got to meet people where they are. If, mm-hmm. if the means that we have to pray about this for a year, then we pray about this for a year. And that's why you're my sis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now moving on to, okay. So you talk about experiencing discontentment and having to identify marriage as an idol in your heart in your singleness and working through that and surrendering that to God. But you clearly are married now. And Mm so I would love to dig into like how you and G met, but also like what season were you in when you met him? Like, were you content? Were you discontent? Were you indifferent? Were you just like, whatever, God, I don't care if it happens, whatever. Like where, where were you in that season? I was in a really interesting season um, when G and I, so let me backtrack a little bit. So G and I connected twice. So let's, and to give you, you a mean curve. <laughs> Don't say that. I love him so much now. <laughs> um, essentially the first encounter, there you go, encounter, virtual encounter that we had was in 2012. That was the first time there was ever a, a meeting. Um, I reached out to him first, um, just because I had seen him. He bowls. I saw him bowling, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, he's doing such a great job!" And I messaged. I was him the to- first black person I met that like <laughs> bowls and takes it so seriously. Sorry to interrupt your story, but we went on a. Uh, I'm thinking a friendly outing to a bowling. Allie, like, oh, let's go bowling. And like, Ty had a ball and shoes. And I was like, wait, you brought this from home? <laughs> so black people be out here bowling. And I had no idea. <laughs> so her and Gary yes. bonded over bowling. But continue. We, we bonded over bowling. And to this day, people still think that he got me into it. But I have to set the record straight each time. My dad got me into bowling. It was a father-daughter, adult-child thing we used to do when I was growing up. So dad takes the credit, but yeah. So. And your family does it too. Like Aunt yeah, me bowls too. Uncle. And I'm like, I'm like, how are these black people bowling? Like, I was just so confused. We just do. I don't know. It's just a thing. Like my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, and I mean, even his side of the family, his cousins. So all I of his friends. It. But it's like y'all, the two black people that bowl met each other. Like, I just think that is so beautiful. God is good. Like, <laughs> continue. <laughs> Yeah. So um, when I, when I first reached out to him, um, I wasn't looking for anything to happen. It was just kind of like, almost like what you said, like, oh my gosh, here's this guy who does this stuff that my family and I do recreationally. And he's doing it on, you know, a collegiate level. I think he's got, you know, what it takes to, to go pro and and do well. And I just want to encourage him. But when I sent that message, I was going through a lot at the time. So it was 2012. Um, the person in college that I had just been head over heels over had just um, 
you know, started dating another young lady that went to our church. And I was just like, I was distraught because I was just kind of like, God, you know, all my prayers are coming up. No, and dry. And it's one thing for you to tell me, you know, that maybe it's not the right time, but now it's not the person either. Like Mm. have mercy. I just, (laughs) what's going to happen to me? And hindsight, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was so dramatic. (laughs) Like there's other people in the world type, but you don't think like that Mm -hmm. in those moments where maybe you've invested so much or maybe um, your heart is set. And even that is another conversation. Like we should not invest and set our hearts on things that you know are not sure things we shouldn't put our it's confidence hard, girl it's very you hard it's hard <laughs> you right it, it's very hard but we we're not supposed to put our confidence in anything but God and so I think if we follow that blueprint then we'll be okay whenever anything doesn't go right not just when it comes to relationships but anything you didn't get the job that you wanted like oh my gosh that was the job or that was the promotion or that I was supposed that was the title that I was supposed to have Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of like but are there not other opportunities but we we box ourselves that fish though Ty yes I know fish but I want that one I understand (laughs) sometimes that fish is just not in God's will and it's just like well God can you maybe like push the current so that fish comes back or get rid of all the other fish. So I'm the only other fish to see. Like, just, just me and him in the pond. <laughs> I understand. I promise. And there are so many of those prayers in the beginning that I pray. Like, Lord, I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody. But... Yeah, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> but if you just so happen to make this thing go in my favor, like, I'm not going to be upset with I'm you. Just, of course not. <laughs> If I get selected, I'm going to be happy. (laughs) Very happy. And, you know, it, but I can also say that that was a time in my life where I was feeling extremely bitter and feeling Mm -hmm. like, you know, those feelings of being forgotten again, like, all right, here I am, last of the Mohicans or a bridesmaid again. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) 20, 27 (laughs) dresses sequel, sign me up. Literally me. (laughs) And it, you know, it wasn't easy, but there were times that I was just genuinely happy for my friends and mm-hmm. the people that they had found. So that all encompassing was what was going on at the time. Okay. So this is back in 2012. This is back in 2012. So, so you on were top of- experiencing your own heartbreak with realizing something wasn't going to happen with the person that you wanted to happen. And you just so happened to see G bowling and you're like, oh, look, another black person that bowls. Let me reach out. Right. And um, also at the time, I had two deaths in my family. One was um, my maternal grandmother, and one was a cousin that I was very, very close to on my dad's side. And they they both passed away after I graduated, which was in 2012, um, one in September and the other in November. And I met G around that same, that in that block. And so there were other things at work going on as well so um even when he started to try to initiate conversations with me i wasn't in a place like when i look back at those conversations now everything is exactly as it was in 2012 i'm like oh my goodness i was not paying him any mind (laughs) but i was still the same person like 
soaking the pillow every night in tears like god where's my boaz where's my husband i just want somebody and it was just kind of like he i married him so he was there but i i was not seeing him my i was fixated i had an idea of what i wanted or what i was supposed to have quote unquote Mm -hmm. and he he was long distance as well so i was just like this guy can't be for real i've been on a college campus with people who lived two dorms over and couldn't get the conversation to be cohesive for more than two months like he's definitely not serious Mm. and so he was trying to pursue you not in the beginning okay but within maybe like two or three months he started being more intentional with um, messages online and asking me for my number and I was so against giving him my number I was like you don't need my number you can talk to me right here in this Facebook thread <laughs> I gave him such a hard time <laughs> oh my goodness that is I'm laughing because I was talking to my, my best friend Nicole last week about how she met her boyfriend and she kind of did the same thing gave him the runaround was like nah sir I'm not that's just not where I am right now and here you guys both are so no I was saying that's what's so crazy because you. I, I can't speak for Nicole, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that she may have been on the same wavelength as me. The runaround wasn't intentional. It was just like, we really were not interested. Like I wasn't interested <laughs> and I feel so bad saying it now because I'm like head over heels now. Mm, that's and your boo. <laughs> it's my boo. I'm sprung, but you can't, <laughs> but you could not have told me in the end of 2012 or the beginning of 2013 that I would have entertained him I would have told you that you're kidding me like no so so but didn't wasn't it not until 2015 or 16 that you actually started to date him and take him seriously so like what happened in between in the in between time and what changed in 2015 or 16 so when 2013 got here Um, He had been asking me, he traveled for his bowling at the time, and he was saying like, hey, you know, maybe when I come to Jersey, we can get together, we can get together, blah, blah, blah. And I would always kind of push it off like, no, I have this. And I also was coming into um, a different level of maturity at the time about where I was emotionally. And so I knew that I was dealing with some bitterness and that my heart wasn't in the right place. So there was a part of me that didn't feel like I even could um entertain him at the time and shout out to one of my best friends Daniel because Daniel told me that I was not bitter he would not allow me to define myself Mm -hmm. that way and like I get I'm trying not to cry now because whenever I talk about that season in my life he really like he was like the best brother uh (laughs) he was like the best brother that I could have had for that moment because he didn't take advantage of how I was feeling um and he didn't he didn't go overboard to like validate me. Cause some people can do that too. Like there's nothing wrong with you. Anybody be lucky to have, like he didn't do that either. He just stuck to the facts and he just like, Ty, here are the facts. You've been hurt. You've been disappointed. Um, you know, <clears throat> you have these desires, but you're not bitter. You're not, you know, you're not the stereotype of this, you know, you know, bitter black woman. And, you know, I do believe, even though I don't know, what God has for you. I do believe that God has somebody for you at some point in time. And if you, if you can trust him and if you can trust him with your heart and your feelings, I know he's going to see you through this 
very difficult time that you're in but like mm-hmm. I will not allow you to define yourself as bitter and to this day it makes me so emotional talking about it. he was absolutely amazing like I just I forever thank him for that because I feel like I went through the rest of my singleness up until I met G with a completely different mindset mm-hmm. at that point um so I wasn't moving forward um you know because things that I wanted to happen didn't work out. I was moving forward in in joy in spite of. Mm. And there was still so much more to be had. Like so much life, much, much more life to be had. Wow. So that, that light switching moment is definitely Im- important. And it, you know, can turn the tide of, okay, am I going to go through the rest of my singleness bitter or or feeling forgotten and moping around like woe is me? Or am right. I going to say like, nope, God has something. He hears my prayers. I'm not forgotten. It might not be happening in the time that I want it to, but I still trust him. And I'm going to lay this prayer. I'm still praying it. It's still a desire in my heart, but I'm going to lay it in his hands and trust him with it. Exactly. That's potential. That's, that's, that's basically what happened. Um, It was like a light switch meeting, meeting Danny and having that type of encouragement and then um, it just shifted the way I thought about things. And even my best friend at the time, you know, she would challenge, she would challenge me, excuse me, with those questions like, Ty, I understand that this is a desire of your heart, but if the Lord never does it, like, will you still love him? Will you still serve him? And it was a hard, it wasn't hard to answer. It was hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because Girl, it was just yeah. like that's me that question hear that question like I don't want to hear that I don't want to live in a world where this is a possibility right. <laughs> <laughs> return to sender I will not answer this question uh, but it was just like of course I'm gonna love God of course I'm gonna serve him of course I'm still going to want to make his name famous and and live a life that you know is is worthy of his son's name but but it's hard and that's what my prayer became. That's mm-hmm. what my prayer to God had to become. Lord, this is what I desire to be before you. And this is this other desire, you gave it to me. And I've tried to pray it away. I've tried to cry it away. I've tried to ignore it away and nothing's working. So if you don't want me to have this desire, mm-hmm. I'm going to trust that in your all powerful nature that you're going to remove it. Mm-hmm. And if it's still here, I'm going to assume that it's a godly desire that you've given me and we've just got to work out some of these earthly kinks that I have going on. Mm-hmm. That it's not a bad desire. You gave it to me for good, but I've got some wires crossed and that's why I may be prioritizing it higher than I should be. And I need you to help, you know, knock me down a notch when mm-hmm. that, that desire is getting a little lofty. Yeah. And so when I met Gary, I just wanted to be in God's will. Like that's all I wanted. And so when I finally agreed to go on a date with him and prayerfully, he doesn't kill me when he hears this, but when I finally agreed to go on a date with him. Um, he was very shy. Anybody who knows him knows he's very quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, he was quiet. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't see this going anywhere. Cause he's not helping me facilitate this conversation. And the answers that I'm looking for, I, w- I was trying not to interview him. But I think what happens when you spend so much time waiting for the right person um, and you encounter all these 
even if you don't date these people, but just different people come into your lives and you see different traits, you start building up this list in your head, right? And so you're waiting for an, a certain answer that you could just kind of check off, like, that sounds right, that sounds right, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't sound right. But when somebody's not talking at all, <laughs> mm-hmm. it makes you feel like, okay, check, please. And that was me. I was... Take this water was, to go. <laughs> I was Gabrielle Union from Daddy's Little Girls. Like, check, check, <laughs> check please. Check. <laughs> Um, I was ready to go. And we didn't speak after that date for about two and a half years. Wow. So wait, this date was in 2013? The date was in 2013. Okay. Like late 2013, maybe. Yeah. Late 2013, maybe close to 2014. Okay. And then, um, then he was like, nah, we're not doing this for two yeah, years. Yeah, <laughs> like I didn't, I just didn't pay him any mind anymore. So he would message me every now and then. Um, and I would just kind of get back to it. Like whenever I felt like it, quite frankly, like, oh, he messaged me like, eh, eh, okay. And then if I felt like it's been a while, I probably should, like, it's just rude not to respond at this point. Then I would two word answer. I was trying to make it very clear that I wasn't interested. And he was just, patient he just he just kept coming back for more punishment (laughs) more silent treatment he got better he was initiating more conversations and I remember so vividly I remember telling him one day that I had an interview coming up and it was maybe going to be in like two or three days and I remember the the day of in the evening he messaged me and he was just like how'd that interview go for that job I'm sure you did well and I was like Hmm. intentionality maybe there's something there (laughs) um so that was maybe the first time my eyebrow went up but I was still kind of like focused on whatever it was that I was that I was doing and then um he had won like a really big tournament and I congratulated him on that we didn't really rekindle much at that point And then a few months later, I graduated my master's program. He congratulated me. And then that summer, so summer 2016 is when he said, hey, you know, we got off on the wrong foot. And I think it would be worth it to try again. So hear me out. I want you to give me two weeks, two weeks of constant communication and the first light bulb said I need you to answer me (laughs) yeah basically that's that's really what that was I need you to answer me and stop leaving me on red (laughs) so um the first thing was just kind of like somebody's asking me to reach out to them regularly even though this is someone who I previously didn't have great like face-to-face chemistry when we were online the conversation went well but when we met up for that first time it was just kind of like deer in headlights it was the most awkward dinner ever Mm. um so that was his first condition two weeks it could be email it could be facebook it can be text messages um they could be but i need you to respond something (laughs) yep and he said um at the end of those two weeks if you don't feel anything if you're not any more interested than you were when we first you know connected like two years ago then i'll stop won't have to worry about it anymore like I'll move on you'll move on and that'll be that but if you do feel something then let's revisit it and Mm. I was just kind of like wow that's what a way to shoot your shot (laughs) that was yeah 
What a way. <laughs> Shout out to Gary. <laughs> so I think my attitude at the time was just kind of like, well, what do I have to lose? He's saying that if I do this and I don't like him, that he'll leave me alone. So we'll never have these, <laughs> we'll never have these conversations again. So why not? And maybe. And look at you now. Yeah. Whole ring on your finger, your whole husband for a year and what? Two what? months? A year yeah. and a month? <laughs> yeah. For a year and two months. So needless to say, after day two or three, I wasn't, I don't know if you've ever seen um, Fireproof, but Mm -hmm. you know, in the beginning when, um, what's his name? Kirk Cameron. He starts doing the love there. Mm -hmm. In the first couple of days, it's just kind of like, he's just doing it to check it off the list. He's like, hey, honey, side hug. And here's some rinky dinky looking flowers. And Mm -hmm. I kind of cleaned up and the effort wasn't there. That was me Mm -hmm. in the beginning. Um, as far as just my time, my energy, the effort. And then I don't remember what happened. It may have been like day four or five. And maybe he didn't reach out to me that morning or something. And I remember thinking he didn't reach out. Why did I notice he didn't reach out? Why do I care that he didn't reach out? (laughs) And then I think something kind of reminded me, um, you know, that he's been consistent. He's been true. And then from then on out, he was just very intentional about what he wanted. He was just like, I know I'm going to be a good husband and I want to be a father. And like, you know, I'm not here to play games. And I was just kind of like, yes, <laughs> we stand for men who don't want to play games and who are intentional. Yes. All of the above. Yes. I just didn't believe it was for real. I was just like, yeah, okay. Cause I had already gone through like, not those exact words, but kind of people making lofty promises and like not making it past like three months, not even three months dating, just three months of constant communication. Mm -hmm. You know, my friends, I know your friends, we've met each other's family. We never got to that point. So when you have somebody on the opposite end of the spectrum saying, look, I desire, these are my goals. This is what I want to be. And I want to do these things with you. It's like, do you really, do you really want those things? You do. Okay. Tell me more. So, so yeah, it's been, it's been a, it's been a crazy, beautiful journey, but I'm grateful for it. I love that. And I love, I think that's so funny that I keep consistently hearing about women who did not think that the guy was the one off of first interaction, which is so funny. But so what was the transition from singleness to relationship and then relationship to marriage like for you? Was there... I mean, like, yeah, were there any struggles? Was it like, oh my goodness, it's Christmas day. Let's do this. What was that like? Um, I think one thing that I had always been very sensitive about transition wise, and I share this with you is that I didn't want to become that friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we, most of us ladies know that friend, like that friend and she gets the boo, and then she falls off the face of the earth. Forgets everybody. Forgets everybody, and, you know, it's really hard because you maybe, you only see that person, like, maybe if something's bad, like, Mm -hmm. if there's a breakup, or if, like, the relationship is kind of rocky, and um, I had gone through that a couple of times, and I didn't want to go through it again, so um, one part of that transition was me being regularly aware and regularly sensitive to the fact that I wanted to still be there for my single friends. I still wanted to be a part of girls nights and hangouts and trips. And I didn't want to get lost in this new love, right? Because Mm, lost in a new love. 
That yeah. could be the title of a book. <laughs> right back. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't want it. And I think that there's an aspect of that that happened anyway. Like there's just something euphoric about this thing that you have prayed for. And um, I think it's a proverb and it says like hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when it, when it comes to pass, it's like a, a fountain of life or a spring mm-hmm. of life. And it's just like, it's so mm, true. I need to find that proverb. Um, <laughs> let me pull it up. It's Proverbs 13 and 12. And um, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Mm. Um, and I found that to be true, but I found that to be true with everything not just the relationship it's anything that you're ever praying for or any hope that you have for anybody that's just how it feels if you're hoping for something and praying for something and it doesn't happen it it makes you feel like you're wasting away a little bit and that's Mm -hmm. not being dramatic that's just the nature of prayer Mm -hmm. and then finally when that prayer is answered especially if it's in your favor it's like oh my gosh, like, this is the best thing. I've been praying for this. I've been waiting for it. Or you found something that was lost. It just feels great. Mm-hmm. Um, so transitioning into that was like unfamiliar territory. Cause I was like, I, I don't imagine. know what it's like to have this type of happiness. <laughs> what do I do with it? <laughs> yeah. What do I do with it? So, um, I still hung out with my friends. I still was very intentional yes, about, um you know checking in with them yes you were letting them know what was going on too same thing with my mentor I told you the importance of having those tightest twos and so I made a deal with myself and with her the second that he and I got serious that good bad indifferent shame she was gonna know everything and I told him that too I'm like look Mm -hmm. we can't just be operating out here all willy-nilly we've got to have people checking in on us yeah, because, you know, we're not, we're not these young, young people in our 20s. Like, we're older, and so, you know, we need to have accountability. We're not just going to be out here living reckless. But, okay, going from singleness, where you went through rough seasons of discontentment, and now then, you know, Gary popping up, and it's like, oh, wow, you're here. Like, uh, answered prayer. Mm-hmm. How how did when you because I feel like sometimes we pray for things and then we get them and then it's like oh okay like you know this is either exactly what I thought I was praying for or even even with I use my dog Lincoln as an example and Ty you know this I had my heart set on getting Lincoln and I was like (laughs) oh my goodness he's gonna be a a companion and he's gonna be amazing and I'm gonna come home and see his little smiling face and it's gonna be awesome and while that is true he is a companion I come home and work I right I come home I see a smiling face I'm like oh but I also have to pick up poop and I also have to stand outside in the rain when he doesn't want to go poop and there's all these other things that when you're praying for the thing you don't realize come along with it and so I guess for you like how has marriage surprised you in those ways yeah so that that's huge that part um I think I always knew that it was work and so the work aspects of it didn't surprise me Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I had enough young and older people who were married who just kind of told me the real deal. And I think that's important. Yes. You got to have people around you that are not just painting their marriage with like rose tinted glasses yes. because it makes you feel like, oh, everything's perfect all the time. And I'm not trying to make it like people just are miserable. I know that there are some, but <laughs> I'm not trying to make it that people are like miserable and arguing every day. Not anything like that, but just 
the regular ups and downs of marriage. Something yeah. as simple as, did you get the mail today? I thought you got the mail. Okay, no. Like, I thought you were going to shred this. It's just piling up. Like, so sometimes it's not, it's just daily back and forth, you know? Yes. Did you make that appointment? I thought you were going to make it. Just being on the same getting on the same calendar. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. So it's so funny you say that. So I was talking to two friends of mine that are married, their husband and wife, and we were just catching up after post quarantine. And they're like, Oh, what are you watching? And I was telling them how like into married at first sight I am. Like, I'm just like, I love this show. <laughs> and they're a Christian couple. And so they're like, what? Like, why do you like this show? And I'm like, first of all, it's entertaining and it's not like trash reality television, but I'm like, but it also just gives me such insight into married people's lives. Like granted it's different circumstances because it's an arranged marriage, but like Mm -hmm. seeing the small things like, oh, they're having communication issues or he doesn't want to be vulnerable or she's not taking accountability for how he's feeling. Like just little things like that. It just gives me a peek into all of these married couples' lives and why things go awry, why the divorce rate's so high. And after explaining that to them, they were like, oh wow, like they realize like as married people, like they don't feel like they show us singles enough of what their real life looks like as married couples. And granted, Mm -hmm. you don't got to be screaming it from the mountaintops, but when you are in relationship, when you're married and you're in close relationship with your single friends, like it is so helpful to let us know those small things because it's like, oh, wow. So that one day when God answers our prayers and we are there too, we're not surprised that we're arguing over the mail, right? Like we're not surprised that like, oh my goodness, like, you know, he didn't make the appointment. I didn't make the appointment. And now we just don't have the appointment made and we're both frustrated. Like those small things are so helpful. And so I, as your friend, appreciate so much when you give me those small glimpses of the work that is marriage. And of course you share the the joys and the beautiful things as well, but you also keep it balanced where we're able to see that it ain't all rainbows and butterflies all the time. And that's okay. Cause marriage mm-hmm. is a sanctification process. So I hear it really is. It's, it's a, it's a great equalizer. <laughs> like <laughs> marriage is like a huge mirror that mm-hmm. really show, I mean, that shows you every blemish, every wrinkle, every spot. Right. And <laughs> it wasn't, I, I truly did not believe that I was a selfish person. And then I got married and I realized like, yeah, I do have some selfish tendencies. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think some of them maybe came from being an only child and not having to worry about anybody else or (laughs) not having to um, ask anybody else, like, well, what do you want to do? I mean, I always shared and shared what I had and shared my space and my toys and things like that, but it's different when you get married. And so there there were times maybe in the beginning where um, I would be like, we... I felt like we needed to be in the same room. And he was just like, mm. we don't have to be in the same room, babe. <laughs> you could be there and I could be here. We could just be together. But <laughs> I think that's also a part of the transition that you asked about. Like, I feel like transitions can be multifaceted, right? Mm-hmm. So not only was I tr- going from being single and living with my parents to being married and you know obviously like becoming a wife and all that I was leaving everything there was a big transition that I had you moved out of the state I totally forgot I moved out of the state I left my job Mm -hmm. um I had no immediate friends or family here the only friends that I had here were friends of his that I met like as far as just having my own peer group I didn't have it Mm -hmm. and so and you left 
from under your parents' roof, like you said as well, for the first time since college. Right. And so I'm just used to it always being like the three of us, like like the three amigos, my parents and I, we did everything together. We watched movies together. We hung out together with the church together, everything. So everything changed like nights after work, we would talk and have dinner, baking with my mom or grilling with my dad or running errands, whatever the case may be. It's like, I'm here and I'm taking care of this house, but my husband is working, Mm -hmm. but my husband is working more because you know, he's taking care of me. And so there's an aspect of me that was still in the honeymoon phase, like literally, Mm. and a part of a part, a portion of that that had ended for him because he was back to work. Mm -hmm. Like reality hit him like fast. And you were like, la la la, pina colada, let's go by the pool. (laughs) Let's go dance in the rain. (laughs) So for me, when I got here, it was just like, oh my gosh, it's going to be great. It's going to be just like Jamaica. We're going to stay up late every night and we're going to, you know, hang out and watch movies. And he's just like, "Um, babe, like I got to go to work in the morning. (laughs) I like to run around six and I like to do my devotion around five. So mm. yeah, um, I'm gonna be going to sleep at like eight, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> he's like, all right, maybe nine. I'm like, nine. So um, that's so funny. That was rough because that that's even like, like a, a small thing that you don't even think about, like someone's schedule. Like I am not a morning person. I think the single digits are ungodly. I think days should start at 10 a.m. I really do. And so, you know, imagine that, you know, you are with somebody that's like, oh, no, I thrive in the single digits. Like, no, 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 no. And that's him. Like, if he can get half of his day done before 10 or 11, he'll do it. And I'm just like, yeah, that. 7.30, 8? I'll meet you, like, 7.30, Like 10. I will see you at 10 a.m., maybe 10.30. But to be fair, he told me, and this is what I'll say, people do change. Like, Mm. don't let these, don't let these ladies and these guys fool you. People change. So (laughs) when we were dating and he was visiting me in New Jersey, he always said he was an early bird. Don't get me wrong. He always said, like, I go to sleep really early. His friends said it. His family said it. (laughs) But he would always stay up late for me. Aww. We got married. It was just like, I got a ring on that finger. You with me for life. I'm going to sleep. I'll see you in the morning. Bedtime. Like, <laughs> what? We're not going to watch a movie? It's 10 o'clock. He's like, it's 10 o'clock and you want to watch a movie? And I'm like, yeah, it was a big deal. He's like, yeah. So now, compromise. I do not initiate watching a movie with that man unless it is like before 7 o'clock. <laughs> I don't do it. Hey, these are small things that are important. They're small things that you can get so upset over. Like, you never watch movies with me. And it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. What time are you trying to watch these movies? <laughs> we gotta, yeah. trying to watch them at 10 o'clock. Okay, okay. But, so I've got to compromise. So you give me two nights a week where we watch a TV, shoot, a TV show or a movie. If it's late, we watch a show. If it's early, we watch a movie and we get through what we can get That's through a great compromise I love that so much and I think those small things that you don't think about you think that marriage well you know singles like we think that marriage is going to be this again rainbows and butterflies the honeymoon like we're going to stay up all night and we're going to braid each other's hair and whatever and it's like no you it, will have nights like that 
you will you have days and maybe even weeks like that but eventually reality hits I love that I love that you're reminding us that it's not that you you have to be able to do real life with this person like not just the honeymoon oh we're going on a fun vacation but like real real life with this person Mm -hmm. and I want to ask you this question but before I do I want to tell you why I'm asking you so I, with this whole coronavirus pandemic stuff, mm-hmm. I was staying with my aunt and uncle for a significant portion of this time because I live by myself and I'm like, look, y'all 20 minutes away, I'm gonna come through, we could just do this quarantine thing together. Mm-hmm. And staying with them, I was with them for like almost a month off and on. And mm-hmm. I was able to observe, again, like married people and just their different, um, the different ways that they do things. And so Works. my aunt and uncle, they have, they have a, a decent sized house. But they will both be sitting in the same room talking to somebody on the phone, both of them on speaker. And I would like walk into the room and I would like literally just be sitting here like, how are you both just sitting in this room? Both of you guys having a phone conversation, both of y'all on speaker, like that would drive me crazy. And I just felt like I picked up on so many of my little things that like annoy me about another person in my space, even though I was in their space mooching and eating their food. (laughs) But but there were just these little things that I'm like, oh, wow, like I get really annoyed by that or like, oh, wow. Like, and when you're dating somebody, you're not just like dating them for the fun stuff, but it's like, okay, you're going to, you're signing up to live with this person and be their partner for life. So my long way of asking you, like, were there any things that, you know, about that you learned about yourself. They're like, oh, wow, that really annoys me. Or that G learned that annoys him about you. Definitely, yes. (laughs) So one thing that I do when I am like cleaning up the house, even though our apartment, it's not small, but it's not super huge either, but you can be inconvenient. So when you walk through our front door, um, the door to the bathroom is right there. I like to leave it unlocked because typically when I'm cleaning I can just pop in there really quick and I don't have to go through the guest room Mm. and for the life of me that man always locks the door (laughs) so I'll be cleaning in the middle of the day and then I'll go to open the door to keep vacuuming and then it'll be like doom and I'm like why does he lock this (laughs) it's been a year (laughs) and then (laughs) I'll get frustrated and I'll call him like guess where I am on the other side of the door. You know why? Because you locked it again. He, and I know he's probably looking at me like, really, babe? It's, it's not just, that big of a deal. Just go on the other side. I'm like, you keep saying just go on the other side, but you could also just leave it open. Yeah, that's like 30 extra steps, bro. <laughs> and then there's, if I drive his car, which is rare, but I do, I have this horrible habit. We have a gate, a gate key that we have to use to scan into the building. Mm-hmm. And if I don't physically put the card on my person, I lose it. So I have a horrible habit. If I'm in his car, I take the card out of the car with me after I scan it. And then the don't next day when he comes mm-hmm, in from work, he's just like, you always do that. And I'm like, oh, like kind of like how you always leave the door. <laughs> <laughs> but those are those things about both of us that I know, like drive the other one crazy. Or sometimes I leave the microwave open, like I may heat something up for us. I literally get distracted. I I get my oven mitts and I take whatever is hot out and I bring it to the table. And sometimes I get so fixated on setting the table, all of a sudden I'll just hear a loud slam. And he's just like, you left it open. But see, this is the part of marriage that nobody tells you about because it's just kind of like, you could either say, 
thank you. I forgot about that. And take the L or you could say, do you want me to give you the laundry list of things that you didn't do today? <laughs> and then pull out like, okay, well, let me let you, let me remind you what you didn't right. do. <laughs> Carrie's favorite term. If I do that, he's just like, don't be ugly. Don't be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> don't be, so I love funny. that. Don't be ugly. Don't be ugly. Don't treat me like that. Don't be ugly. So, um, it's but for that transparent (laughs) moment that's that's gonna help somebody (laughs) it is but you know what when we were in premarital counseling um my my former pastor um did our sessions and he said here's the reality he said um if you guys are busy outdoing one another in love Mm -hmm. nobody's ever going to be neglected Mm -hmm. but the second you care more about you and what makes you happy and he cares more about him and what makes him happy you're going to start having problems Mm. you have to constantly it it has to you have to daily be in a place where you're willing to submit to you know what I really don't want to do this right now but it's not about me you have to have like that but it's not about me and you have to let that but it's not about me overpower how Mm. you're feeling and sometimes when you're single you don't when you're single you don't live together you know it's like if he didn't want to talk to talk about something or he didn't want to be bothered with me, he could just get off the phone. Mm-hmm. Gotta go. <laughs> but, when but when you're living in the same house, it's just kind of like even if you go to another room, the person's still there. So right. you need to be able to deal with it and I can still feel your angry presence. <laughs> like I feel it. It's like heat. Like <laughs> <laughs> even if it's in the other room, I feel it. <laughs> you feel it. I'm telling you, you can you can cut it with a knife. Like if if you let it if you let it build up. And so um, that has been a really important rule of thumb for me that when I really get upset and I'm at a point where I'm just kind of like, why are you so upset, Ty? And I ask myself that question. Is it because you didn't put him first? It's nothing that he ever has to ask me. It's, it's, not, it's not Gary's responsibility as my spouse to remind me mm-hmm. that I need to prioritize him. And it's not my job to remind, yeah. it should be something that is there Mm -hmm. I pray for you like at the end of the day these are some of the things that come into perspective I pray for you I'm grateful for you Mm -hmm. I made these vows I made these promises and outside of these little quirky moments that we have I absolutely adore you so I need to kind of get out of whatever funk I'm in Mm -hmm. because it's not about me right now Mm. And, and that's, he does that's the same a thing. hard conversation to have with yourself and, it is and your little tiffy about the microwave door not being closed or the door not being unopened and you just want to be so focused on like but i've told you like four times can you just stop and it's like it's that's not what we're doing right now and as a single person like hearing that you're just like wow like that takes a lot and and that's not like an isolated thing, right? Like, I'm sure you're probably no. having to do that multiple times. Yes, a day, multiple things. In a year's time, you know, like, you've got to know, like, you've got to see them, view them in a lens of grace. Mm. So Oof. if I do something wrong in the house, it may tick him off but I know that I'm getting the lens of grace first. Mm-hmm. And through that lens, he's giving me the benefit of the doubt. That's basically what that is, the mm. benefit of the doubt. And same with me. So if I notice that he didn't take the trash out and it's something that he always does, I'm not going to be like, you didn't take the trash out. Like, 
he does it. He's done it every single day mm -hmm. for a month. Are you really going to harp on? And sometimes you do and you catch yourself and yeah. sometimes you do and you don't. And you've got to, you got to be able to revisit that and even humble yourself and say like, listen, mm. I didn't have to get so snippy because you didn't take the trash out. You do it all the time. In addition to that, you do these things and I see them. So mm. sometimes you have to make sure that you're validating that person mm -hmm. because I'm the type of person that if I feel like I'm doing a lot of stuff, even if I'm not doing it for accolades or, or attention or anything, if I'm doing things and it seems like they're not appreciated, it makes me scale back. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you didn't know that I did this? Cool. So that it won't happen have to again. worry about me doing it anymore. <laughs> But you, Petty. getting married, I'm telling you, like, it's just a battle that is just, you're going to have your own challenges and battles and you don't want to create any little fires that don't need to be there. It's mm -hmm. just like, that's not a big deal. Just take it out, Ty. Like, just take it out. And maybe that'll be the day that he's like, you know what, in the morning, I really had a hard day yesterday. And so that's where that lens of grace comes in because mm -hmm. it's like, had he had an easier day, he may have come in like normal and said, all right, let me take the trash out. Let me, let me vacuum this area. Let me do this because that's his, um, right. like, yeah, like his routine of mm -hmm. when he comes in. So my first, um, my first notice or my first reminder or whatever it is should be, wait, he came in and this is what he did. Mm -hmm. Did something happen today? So it shifts from this is the way that I wasn't served to what's going on with this person. Mm. So it can't I be about you. Love, I, I love <laughs> the lens of grace. And I think, I mean, you know, as Christians, we're definitely like called to extend grace to all. But I think there's, we don't have a lot of examples of doing that so intimately than in a romantic relationship where you have to literally extend grace when they're doing something that bothers you when they're doing something that you're like are they doing this on purpose where it could be easily to default to that it's like no let me ask myself or let me extend them the grace automatically no matter what the thing is and ask the question later if it gets to asking the question I love if that and I think on purpose you deal with it later I think that even so as a single, when married people tell you like, child, just be careful what you're praying for because marriage is hard and <laughs> da, da 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 And it can be like, okay, well, I'm ready for the test. Like, okay, I'm ready for it to be hard. I'm ready. But then when you sit and actually like unpack with the person that's married and you hear about it and you're like, ooh, how would I deal with that in that situation? Like, how would I respond if, you know, the microwave door was open or this door keeps getting locked and now I'm upset because I just want to vacuum straight and not have to walk 30 steps out of my way around, you know? And so I think that as singles, that's a really important reminder. And I appreciate you being transparent with us about those small things, because I don't think it's the big things that corrode a marriage. I think it's like what you said, when you stop trying to outdo each other in love, when you remove that lens of grace and you're not looking at this person as a partner in your home, but you're looking at them as like the enemy or, or they're out to get you or they're out to hurt your feelings or not serve you or whatever. I think that's what those small things are what corrodes a marriage over time. And so I appreciate you for sharing with us that 
those giving us little glimpses into what that can look like practically in a marriage because we won't we wouldn't see it otherwise right like we get our behinds in a marriage and be like slamming microwave doors <laughs> and it's just like no boo boo you can't do that you can't go slamming doors you can't go this is not so you gotta you guys have to decide before you even get married you know what are where do we draw the line of how even how we disagree mm. even how we disagree there's gotta be there's a line that we do not cross. Mm. We don't cross that line. There's no, there's never a reason to cross certain lines. And yeah. that's just period. You're not, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to lose control. Yeah. And do this. Cause the second you allow yourself to do that, it goes back to, but how are you esteeming this person higher than yourself? You're not. Mm. If you mm. can, if you can say, because I'm feeling like this, I feel entitled to respond in a way that makes me feel like I was heard. Mm. Okay. But, but they did hear you, but you were just upset. So maybe you need to go do something, go for a run, like workout, take a drive. You may need to do something to relax, but it's not fair to say like, well, I don't feel like you understand me. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to yell and scream and curse you. And I'm going to hit you. And I'm not going to do. Really? Mm. Yeah. You're going to start withhold. So now you're going to start withholding stuff. So, so now it's the cold shoulder or mm-hmm. now it's the, I'm not you're doing not this. Getting none. <laughs> like that's how you're going to act. Really? Mm-hmm. So what about when you don't do something right? So mm-hmm. now you're going to want. There those? goes that selfishness that is it, in all of our sinful hearts. I mean, to be very is, honest, like that, like there's nobody that can say I am a hundred percent a selfless being. Like no, we all have selfish moments selfish. and <laughs> marriage will highlight that i was listening to a podcast i think i told you um jackie hill perry and jasmine holmes and another lady from the gospel coalition have a podcast and jasmine was saying that she was a type of person she grew up in reformed um reformed baptist uh church and she was like her whole life nobody would have ever described her as somebody who had anger issues and then she got married and her husband like through that marriage yeah like her husband because this is literally a mirror was like "Mm, actually babe you got to to work on this yes and she had to unpack that and and I think when we as singles are praying for a spouse and we're praying for marriage we're not just praying for companionship with marriage comes all of this other stuff and I think that for me this serves as a really good reminder um that you know, it is work. And yes, there are the beautiful uh, benefits of companionship and some other things that y'all can do under covenant. But, you know, you do have to work and you do have to um, outdo this person in love and put your ego aside and put self selfishness aside. And um, I think more of us think that we're ready for it than we actually are. And be willing to hear what they're telling you. So if that young lady, if her husband is telling her like, hey, look, you have anger issues. Once again, that lens of grace has to come back in. It's, he's attacking me. No, he's telling you the truth. He's telling you the truth because he can see it. Now Mm -hmm. you can either listen to him, the one person who's not gonna hurt you or, you know, use it against you. Is your husband. Or you can be in your feelings that, I can't believe he said I have anger okay, well, does he have a point? Like, if he has a point, then we might need to- Is it valid? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I go through that with Gary. Gary will tell me like, hey, you know, 
you were slacking a little in this area yesterday. I'm like, what? No, I wasn't. And he'll go, yeah. I'm like, all right, you, you might be right. You might be right. I'll give you this one. <laughs> You're right. I am. I could have done this better or I could have made that, you know, more crisp. So, so yeah, it's important. And it's like, do you, are you ready for that? Are you ready mm. for, and it's okay to say no, nobody is a hundred percent. I want to get rid of the myth. It's something that I believe as a single. I want to get rid of the myth that when you get married, it means that you're ready and you somehow passed all these tests when you were single and you just preach. No, <laughs> there's people that are married that are hot mess because <laughs> say it, <laughs> say it. You, you are still being sanctified every day that you're on earth, whether you are married or not. Um, and so, you know, the things that are good to pray for in a spouse are the same things that you will want to pray for in a friend or mm. in a supervisor or in mm. like all of those things. A good like, coworker. A good a coworker. Real real. Wow, Seriously. that's profound, Ty. That is because profound. It's true. It's true. You want you want someone. Um I was listening to one of my favorite Bible teachers, um, Bodhi Bachman, and he was doing a sermon on um biblical he did one on biblical womanhood and he did one on biblical manhood mm. and when he was talking about the men for the women he was just like what should you be looking for in a husband like you know proverbs 31 is outlined and a lot of people use that for wives and for women but like what about husbands and he used some of the not him but like he was using the scriptures and he's just like some of the same characteristics that are utilized for pastors and church officers are the things that you should be looking for in a spouse. Mm. Is this somebody who is okay being monogamous? Okay. Praise <laughs> the Lord. That's what you need to pray for. Someone who's okay being the wife of one, you know, one man who wants mm -hmm. to be the man of one wife. Um, what about his temperament? Is this person gentle? Are they loving? Are they a good steward? Do they mm -hmm. keep their word? Mm -hmm. Are they patient? Mm, that's really you know, like, are they patient? Do they follow, you know, do they follow through? They do the things that they say, um, you know, that they're going to do. Are they, um, are they thoughtful? Mm -hmm. Are they tenderhearted? Are they compassionate? You know, isn't there a part in that scripture that says, are they good with money? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was about to say, I think there is a part in there. I How mean, do they steward their finances? Yes. Yeah, and, and integrity, you know, these are the things to pray for. Like, all those other things are important, but they're moot if these characteristics, and he talks about this even when he talks about children. He's just like, you know, I want my child to be, you know, I can't remember what the words are, and it, it, I'm not trying to quote it perfectly, but it was essentially, you know, like a critical thinker and, you know, somebody who does well under pressure and something else. And he said, okay, well, you just describe like an internet hacker <laughs> so what what's the character behind these traits that you think are so important girl you just dropped so many gems in that honestly and you answered like four of my last questions oh <laughs> no that was amazing I think my very last question for you is and this series is kind of geared towards like the single ladies who are waiting hoping praying and some of us may be struggling with discontentment. Some of us may be struggling with indifference. Some of us may be content. Wherever the single falls, 
any advice that you have for the single ladies or any advice that you would go back and give single Ty? So I think something that I might tell, first of all, my younger self. I would have told my younger self that, you know, my worth was not, was not greater, did not become greater when somebody put a ring on my finger or when somebody wanted me to be their girlfriend and, you know, like, you know, it it feels like they're, they're taking you, they're gleaning you from something. And now here's my, yeah, Mm -hmm. like there's, I'm not taking away from anyone who's ever proposed to a woman or said, I choose you because of these reasons, but in the eyes of God, you know, you were precious and you were worthy a long time ago. I, my soul was of so much importance to him, to God, that, you know, he didn't allow me to live a life devoid of him. Mm. And so it was just kind of like, that's where you need to base, base your worth on. Like your worth can't be rooted in anything else. And that goes for, that goes for everything else. Whether you get a full-time job, whether you're able to buy a new car, whether you can travel as much as the next person, your worth is in Christ alone and you're worthy be simply because he calls you his own. That's it. Mm. Um, I would tell myself that because there were so many times I felt like I needed to be like I mentioned in the beginning, I needed to be something else. I needed to be like the girls who dressed up more. I needed to wear my hair like this. I need, I don't really like makeup, but he looks like he's in the girls who like makeup. So I guess I got to start wearing makeup now. <laughs> it's just like, be yourself. Like God made you authentically you. There's somebody who is going to appreciate your quirks and your pizzazz and the fact that you don't wear makeup or the fact that you wear your hair natural or down or up or straight, whatever. They will love that about you simply because it's you. Mm. And so if you're constantly changing to maybe, you know, conform to a different aspect of another person, then how is the right person ever going to get to know the real you? Are they Mm. just getting bits and pieces of all these other people that you're kind of trying to imitate? So I would tell myself that it's okay to be myself because God made me the way he did for a reason. He doesn't make any mistakes. Mm. But even if he does not answer this prayer, he still didn't make a mistake. Mm. And that was a hard place to get to, but I did get to it. It wasn't always said easily. There were some times I cried that statement. Mm. There were other times I said it happily. And the reality is when I met G, it was at a time where I was really like, you know what, Lord, I feel like I've tried everything. I've tried to be other people. I've tried to do the most. I've tried to play hard to get. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. Like, I'm done. If you have it for me, then you have it for me. If not, I just hope that you make me content. I'm not content right now, Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm not content. I'm upset. I'm hurt. I feel like you forgot me. I feel like you're telling me all my other friends are better or mm. maybe my friends aren't better. Maybe these enemies <laughs> or people that I see as enemies, like, hold on, Lord, they out here being wild, reckless, and disobedient. Why are you blessing them? <laughs> you better preach that. And- <laughs> And that's why I always love talking to you because you don't just give this fluff stuff. Like you were in the trenches, you were in the discontent trenches with us. And I just love that you can speak to that and 
and not try to gloss over like, oh, use your singleness for the Lord. Like, yes, do that. But yes. also cry out in your discontentment. Tell him where you are. Tell him where your heart is. Use those words. If you feel them, I feel forgotten. I feel like you said, I feel like you're choosing other people before me. Whatever that is, like God is not intimidated by us pouring our heart out. Like he knows. He already knows what's on our heart, whether we say it or not. So pouring that out and having those conversations almost makes you it almost makes your relationship closer. I feel like the moments where I've said those words to God, where I've literally been sobbing and saying those words, it like, you know, tears and boogers and all this stuff running down my face. Like Mm -hmm. the next morning I wake up like, wow. Like, and it just, so it's, it sounds so weird, but you just, it's like, I felt so heard in that even if the, the prayer wasn't answered in that moment, that moment of intimacy and being able to say like, yo, I was heard by my father. Yeah, like, I really feel like you out here overlooking me, and I got (laughs) questions. Like, I have a list of complaints. But feeling like he hears you in that, and that he's not intimidated by our actual feelings. We don't have to present ourselves as something that we're not. If, If you're a single listening to this, and you're not content, instead of beating yourself up about being discontent, go to God and say those words say whatever you're feeling on your heart, say them, even if it's with tears running down your eyes, say them and you'll be surprised at how that grows your intimacy in your relationship with him. And how he answers the prayer. Because when we come to God, we come to God with any other, you know, issue, or even when we come to him with our sin, we don't say, if I know that I'm selfish, I don't go to God and say, God, I'm really not selfish. Yes, I am. I need your help. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am really selfish. And I, and I've, tried everything on my own and it's not working. And so, you know, don't be afraid of those prayers. You know, don't be afraid to say, I'm not in a good place mm-hmm. and I need help. Yeah. But be open, but be open to the help that is there. So when the person does come and they say, listen, maybe you are focusing on this a little too much. That's not the time to jump at them like, well, you don't understand. No, no, no. They heard you. They are the help. They're there to now help get you through this season. So, so yes, travel, you know, serve at your church, uh, bond with your family, learn all that you can about yourself. But don't feel like it's a checklist. Like do it because you want to don't do it because you feel like, okay, let me do this because it makes me a better single or let me be a better person. Like, or, or the, the church, the Christian purity movement says that I have to know how to cook or I have to have gone on a solo trip or live by myself before I can be qualified Listen. or worthy of a husband. Like do those things because you want to, not because you feel like you have to earn something. And I love one of my favorite quotes is um, a man is not a cookie for good behavior. Like he's not yes. a reward for doing something right um quote unquote right and so I try to remember that I've actually written it down and put it on my mirror on a sticky note to remind myself like don't do something because I feel like I'm trying to earn a relationship or earn uh God's favor so that he will deem me worthy to be chosen like not a cookie it's not and that goes for anything God doesn't give us things because we deserve them he gives us things out of his own loving kindness, out of his grace, out of his mercy. And quite frankly, sometimes when it, when it comes to people, when it comes to these spouses, there are things, characteristics, traits that we get in these people that we didn't even know to pray for. Because God mm-hmm. knew, God knew, like, you're not even thinking about this, but I know in five years, That's you're going matter. to need 
that. Yeah. You're going to need a person like that. So this person that you want right now, that's like, they love me, but like, maybe they're all flashy and all this, like, that is not what I have for you. Like, that is not what I desire for you. Or the person that you have your heart set on, they're not who they are portraying themselves to be. Or they're not going to match who God knows we will be. Like, I look back at my high school, one of my high school boyfriends who like, you couldn't have told ninth grade Brianna that I was not going <laughs> to marry this man and have his babies, and All that, of we his gonna, babies. <laughs> that we were not going to be the perfect match. And I, you know, look back and I look at who he is today and I am like, oh my God, like that, that would not have matched up with who Brianna is today. Like not one bit. And as badly as I wanted that relationship to work in what, when I was 15, 16, God knew that that would not match who Brianna is today. And so even trusting him in this, whatever this delay is, you know, if he does choose to answer that prayer in that way, like remembering, like he knows when, when we feel like somebody slips through our fingers or you're like, God, but they have all of these things. Why can't I have this person? And he's you don't like, see everything else that God sees. <laughs> Girl, and I be having to remind myself of that. I, and I like will go through, I'll make up scenarios in my head. I'll be like, well, maybe he is abusive. <laughs> or maybe he, <laughs> to just make myself like, be like, okay, you don't know what could be behind that. Maybe he's a different person behind closed doors. Maybe he struggles with X, Y, and Z. And God just wants to protect you. I will make up my own scenario to protect myself um, <laughs> and my little heart from, especially with online dating. Like, I'll be like, up, oh, he ghosted me. It's because he is insecure. <laughs> Like he struggles with low self-esteem and we're going to move on. He's <laughs> a money launderer. He's going to be going to jail in a year anyway. So <laughs> he sells drugs. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, nope. <laughs> and that makes me feel better about it. It does. I'm moving along. He's a drug dealer and I can't do it. <laughs> but you know what? In, in all honesty, Brianna, th- I think this is how you, you really know, like when you, when you trust God with your future and all that's a part of it, what where he has you living who he brings into your life if you have chosen all those things when that person comes that that proverb that we talked about that's real because g and i if if we both go back to our 21 22 year old selves we both had our hearts set on people that did not have the same mind as us Mm. both of us Worlds apart, never met, but we're, we, when we met, we talked about these experiences and how deeply invested we were and how crushed we were when they didn't work out. Mm. But once we met, it was just kind of like, oh my goodness, like we would have never experienced the fullness of what we had now because we were too busy. It was not one, it was one-sided in those other things that we wanted so badly but here our energy and our efforts are matched. Mm. You know how much we would have missed out on? Like you would have been giving your love to someone who didn't appreciate it. And I would have been giving my love to somebody who just Some thought like, oh, boy. it's nice. <laughs> oh, it's nice. But you know, I'm, I'm kind of distracted with whatever is going on over there. Mm. And we could have been terribly unhappy. And even though it hurt us both, when God didn't allow those things to mature into the relationships that we wanted we would have never took the time to heal and learn about ourselves and then eventually be in a place where we could entertain each other yeah when we met each other we were in a completely different 
headspace. And we learned so much from those things that didn't work out. So, you know, I journaled a lot. I encourage people to journal, especially in those moments where they feel like I'm feeling this thing again and it feels awful. Write it out. Talk. I'm a big advocate for therapy. If you need to go to therapy, go. Oh it's, no, I love therapy. <laughs> it's it's not a bad word. It's not a dirty word. There are mm-hmm. some professionals out there, you know, desiring to help you get through. Especially, you know, Christian singles. You know, you're desi- desiring to honor God in your weight. Mm-hmm. Um, don't let your weight be in vain. You know, don't let it be in vain. Grow in that time and. Just trust God, trust God with your heart. You know, you trust him every day to take care of you and your needs and, you know, your families. You got to trust him with your heart too, that he really does know best. And you have to allow the possibility. I know it, it sounds terrible, but I promise I was there. You have to allow the possibility that in him taking care of your heart, it may mean that what you want may not come to pass. And if that's in his will, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Mm. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It sounds mm. it's like, okay, Ty, but you're married and you're going to go lay next to, to somebody, you know, in a few hours. But it, it wasn't always like that. And the time that I first said that to myself wasn't a jovial time. Mm-hmm. It was a very dark time, but it was just like, Lord, I trust you. And my heart is heavy and it hurts but I trust you with everything else. I have to give this part of myself to you as well and trust you with it. You have to trust I know that. when you say that, you don't say it in a way to be passive or dismissive no. of what a person is feeling in that moment. And so, no. you know, even when you say it, like my face and my heart is like, Ugh. I know but, it wants to reject it. <laughs> right. I really, literally, I'd be like, la, 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 la. <laughs> but no, I mean, I know that you say that in love and it's true. It, it is very true. It, like trusting God with our heart. It is hard. Like nobody's sitting here and, and saying that it's easy. Um, but like you said, there are going to be so many areas in our life where we we do trust God and we, we should trust God and we're going to be called to trust God. And this might be a place where we might wrestle a little bit, but being honest with God where we are. And I love how you said earlier, like, you know, God, I'm not there yet. Like this is a desire. This is something that I deeply desire and I'm struggling with having an open hand with this help me in that like you can ask him for help in those moments I still have to actively surrender that because it's like when you have your eyes set on this thing that you want and it's like God I want to want you more but right now I want that thing more and so help me to want you more than that thing so that it's not an idol on my heart and so singles that's a prayer he's always going to answer Anything that's in God's will, he's going to, that for sure. That's about him being glorified and him being honored and you being closer to him. You can bet your bottom dollar that that prayer is going to be answered. So if you're saying, Lord, I don't want this thing to be an idol, help me. Oh, he's going to, he's going to remove the idol. He's going to, but you've got to let it go. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. He's going to open that hand and you got to be ready to let it, let it go up <laughs> out that hand. And trust this, yeah. So I don't, I don't want any single to listen and say like, oh my gosh, she's saying the same thing. Everybody else to just, you know, just trust and just pray. No, I want you to live, live the beautiful life that God gave you. Don't feel like you have to start living your life once you get married. You have a beautiful life. One of my favorite people that got married, 
um, her name's her name is Nikki. Her husband's name is John. And when he put, when John proposed to Nikki, he said, "When I met you, like I thought I already had it going on. Like I had great <laughs> friends, great family, a, like an amazing job. And then here you come, and you made everything better. Mm. So what I loved about hearing him say that to her was." This is what I was hearing from John. And even though it was coming from a man, it came from a woman too. Mm -hmm. My life was beautiful before you came. I wasn't down in the dumps. I wasn't scraping for my happiness. Mm -hmm. I truly was Mm -hmm. living my best life. I didn't think it could get any better. And then you came and you like maximized and upgraded all of that stuff. And I felt like that was a beautiful outlook that he had. Yes. And I think it makes a difference that somebody comes in as a partner and not a savior, if that Mm. makes sense. You know, they're not saving you from like, it's not a rags to riches (laughs) tale. You are fly right now. It's a middle class to upper class. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, it's beautiful right now you are fabulous right now you are doing it right now and when that person comes it's just like wow like now I have a person to share these things with I have a person to vacation with and you know it's 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 an upgrade it's another side but it's not zero to 60 Mm -hmm. it's 60 to 120 you're doubling you're helping me multiply i'm gonna upgrade somebody's life i already know it i am gonna be a blessing sir okay (laughs) it might not be rags and riches but it's gonna be middle class to upper class okay (laughs) you're gonna bring him some favor (laughs) favor that man's life (laughs) okay and a couple of laughs along the way some happy dances in the morning it's going to be wonderful (laughs) but ty thank you so 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 much i mean you Another thing that I heard from you in this podcast is just the importance of mentorship and having um, just other Christian women around you that are willing to pour into you, that are willing to be there with you in the trenches when you're struggling, when you get married, you know, when you're struggling, even in your marriage, that it's important to have women around you. And you have been such a blessing in just my life and the ways that you have been able to uh, relate, that you've been able to just speak to sometimes my heart wounds and tell me what I need to hear, even if it's hard to hear. Um, you just do it in such a loving way and such a relatable way. Like you're not talking at me. I feel like you are coming coming to me and being like, hey, I was there too and it's going to be okay. And I I don't think that the church a lot of times does that. I think it's it's very easy for a single in the church to feel like their feelings are being dismissed and it's being like glossed over like, well, just do this and that. But I feel like you are one of my friends that um, does not do that. And I'm so grateful. Everybody needs a tie. And so if you're listening to this, like I pray that (laughs) God will, you know, bring good godly friends into your life and seek out mentorship, seek out older women in your church or uh, friendship groups or wherever you are that are married, that are willing to kind of bring you along with them in this journey because it is helpful to get a little peek behind the curtain and to see like, it's not that single is a bad season and marriage is much better. They're just different seasons that require different things. And so as soon as we stop looking at marriage as the upgrade or as the graduation of like, oh, I'm finally going to college. It's like, well, listen, high school was cool too, right? You learned a lot in high school and it was necessary. As, as soon as we stop looking at it as that, I think, 
um, a lot of us that do battle with that discontentment um, will be able to to experience more contentment in our singleness. So Ty, thank you so much for being on and dropping so many gems. This is going to be such a long episode, but (laughs) such a great episode. So I am so grateful for you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Shine Bright Podcast. I hope you're taking away some gems with you and you learned some new things. But if you enjoyed this episode, if I can please ask you to rate this podcast wherever you're listening, if it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. I know it sounds cheesy, but it helps this podcast to get higher ratings, which helps more people find this podcast. So please, 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 whatever you're doing, if you could stop right now and rate this podcast, I'd super, super appreciate it. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. Talk to you next week. Bye, guys.